Welcome to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm the producer, Tara Gleason. First, I would like to thank the sponsor for this episode. This conversation has been made possible thanks to the Hickam Officer Spouses Club. We are fortunate to have Michelle Norman, founder and director of Partners in Promise, back to discuss the Navy EFMP three-year pilot program to expand support for service members enrolled in the Exceptional Family Member Program. Hear why she's so passionate about special education resources and how this program can have a tremendous impact on all military families. Listen in to this conversation with Susan and Michelle. Welcome everyone to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Susan Sellers and I'm the spouse of an active duty service member, parent to three teenagers, master parent to parent educator, and a podcast host at the Military Child Education Coalition. Today, we're going to be talking with Michelle Norman, founder and director of Partners in Promise. This nonprofit's focus is protecting the rights of military children in special education. PIP was remarkably busy in 2020 from establishing key shortcomings regarding special education for our military children to assisting with actionable legislation. In an earlier podcast, we explored the significant findings from their military special education survey. Now, for our listeners that have not had a chance to hear that recording, we're going to include that direct link in today's show notes. So with today's interview, we want to highlight one of the major outcomes currently happening for 2021 due to Partners in Promise's hard work, which is a pilot program that expands the support to those enrolled in the Exceptional Family Member Program. Now, there's various pilot programs across all the branches, but for today, we're going to focus on the Navy's EFMP program. Michelle, thank you so much for coming back and chatting with us. Thank you so much, Susan, for having me. Would you go ahead and share a little bit about the history behind the Navy's pilot EFMP program and the reasoning behind its development? Absolutely. And first, let me say, you know, we are a proud Navy family. My husband's been in for over 27 years and uh, we're EFMP family for about 17 of those years. We've been through a lot, love this military lifestyle, but there's definitely some challenges when you have a child in the EFMP program, um, not just medically, but educationally. And I know that um, just from speaking to other EFMP families, most of it has to do with this, just the transitioning from one base to another base, duty station, duty station, state to state, even overseas back to CONUS. And uh, I know that we really, in the past, EFMP focused on the medical part, not really the education. And so I think that the Navy was becoming more and more aware of what these challenges were for our families, and particularly the Navy region Mid-Atlantic and Navy region Southwest. We're starting to hear more about some of these issues and how it directly affected the service members and their you know, readiness in our military. And of course, that's, that's important. We know that we need to address these and to ensure that our families don't have any extra burdens you can imagine being deployed somewhere overseas and you're worried about your family and your child, you know, receiving an, an appropriate education back home. Um, and so I think that once our story became a little bit more public, um, I was able to, I guess, connect with a few of key people and mentors in the Navy. And there was then a, a huge amount of support 
um, to how can we fix this for our Navy families. Um, Rear Admiral Charles Rock here in the Mid-Atlantic region took that ball and ran with it. And I will tell you this, you know, leadership in general, when you first start talking about education and federal law, special education, IDEA, I think most, you know, responses are, are a little bit of, of shock and surprise of, well, why are, why are these difficulties? There's a law in place, you know, for these supports and services when you have an individualized education program. There is a little bit of, of shock of like, well, why isn't the law being followed or why isn't this so easy? But I think once you dig in a little bit, they realize that, wow, we, we really do need to have some resources available for our families to be able to advocate and empower them to be able to have that knowledge when you go to these meetings to do what you can to be the best advocate for your child. Um, and so Admiral Rock came up with EFMP pilot program along with other key offices and divisions in the Navy. And he was really instrumental in assessing what those challenges were and then coming up with solutions and benchmarks. How can we work with outside organizations? How can we work within? What can we do to support them? And that's how the pilot program was born. And it has different levels of it. Because not every EFMP family is going to need all of the tiers of support that this program has. But it's, it's, it's unique because it really does focus on areas where there are a lot of EFMP families in the Navy. So it's obviously the Norfolk, Hampton Roads area, and the San Diego area. That's where we have a lot of our fleet concentrated, and they are deemed to be areas that EFMP families that are of a higher category in the Navy, which is our category fours and fives, they're typically relocated to these areas. And so I can talk a little bit about the different tiers of support that are available for our Navy families. Um, the first tier is they just really bumped up how many case liaisons are available in our Fleet and Family Service Center. That's typically the first place you go when you have an EFMP issue or challenge. They handle all sorts of things and they're like, if you need a local resource for let's say community support or how do I fill out this disability paperwork, that's really your go-to location. So they've increased the amount of people that are in that office. But they're also ensuring that they're getting trained, trained in special education law. Because what happens a lot of times when you have a problem you know, or some type of challenge with the school and your IEP, a lot of folks just think, well, I just need to contact my school liaison officer, which we call SLOs, but they are not necessarily equipped and trained in special education. They really um, are more, their job description does not include that. They really are, you know, a fantastic um, liaison between schools and the bases, but really as far as advocating goes, that's really not that's not what they're supposed to do. And so now EFMP in the Navy, in these two locations, those case liaisons are being trained. And I know that um, this past fall, the Navy hosted training at William & Mary Pele um, Institute of Special Education Advocacy Clinic. And they invited JAGs from all over the service branches, not just the Navy. Um, they invited EFMP personnel, they invited some SLOs, and some other folks to come and learn more about special education because it's complex. IDEA is not an easy law, and there's a lot of jargon and words and different processes involved. You have meetings, you have manifestation meetings, you have, you know, due processes, there's just eligibility meetings. If, if a 
family is having a problem, you really want to make sure that the folks that are helping have that background to know how to best support them. So all of the ESMP families can now go to that first level tier in this pilot program and know that they've had this type of training. And if they were not hired by June, I know they're going to offer it on an annual basis through William and Mary. So it's a fantastic program. In fact, I just attended my own advocacy clinic there with two other members and partners in Promise, and it was an incredible, intense week. It's a very difficult class to get into and accepted, and I'm just so thrilled, you know, for the professional development of our organization that we can continue to be on the cutting edge of, of case law and what we can do to help our families. And so what will these case liaisons going to be able to do? Well, they can listen, and they can actually, with the family's permission, attend IEP meetings. That's huge. That is so huge to be able to have someone come to a meeting with you, particularly when, you know, a lot of our families are geo-batching. They live in a different location than their spouse, so they're not able to come to these meetings or perhaps, you know, they're deployed at the time. Just having some type of support, someone there, you know, also to hook a sanity check, like, you know, am I crazy? Am I, do I know what I'm talking about? Is this the right law that I'm referring to? So just having someone giving you that, that check of like, yes, you know, you, you, you understand what this procedure is and let me help you. Let me be there for you and see if we can resolve, you know, these issues and move forward for the, the benefit of the child. Um, the second tier of support that this pilot program is going to have is what they call a regional special education liaison. I know there's a lot of liaisons in here, but this is for the region. It's really what we would call an advocate. So not only does this person obviously has that special education law training, they can look at the IEPs. They can assess on whether or not these IEPs are meeting the unique needs of these students. And of course, if necessary, they can attend these IEP meetings as well. So now you have someone who has years of experience in working in this field to be able to give an honest, you know, feedback of like, well, this is definitely some areas of concern. You may want to, you know, ask for more evaluations and XYZ subject or, you know, have you considered this? It's a really going to be a another step of expertise that perhaps the liaison at the base level was not able to provide. And of course, we're hoping that, you know, those two tiers of level will help everyone, but if there is an issue that just can't seem to be resolved, then the final tier of help is having access to that special education attorney for that region. And that is the person who, you know, among other things, can go to meetings and review and evaluate their cases, you know, provide that expert legal advice to our EFMP families who are, are needing, you know, that additional assistance. And what can they do? They can actually appear in school forums. They could go to team meetings. They can go to mediation, due process hearings, help with behavior intervention plans. And I think what's unique about these special education attorneys is that if need be, and if it's determined, they can actually appear in state court and federal court on behalf of these VFMP families. And again, that is a huge asset because a lot of times you'll find Jags that don't want to go to the next level, they'll say, well, I've got the training, but it's complicated and I can't represent you. The fact that these attorneys can do that because they're civilian and been hired to do that is, is going to help our families so much. And we hope that they never need to be used. 
um, but the fact that they are there and that that will keep, you know, I think everyone in check a little bit more and also just peace of mind, knowing that if you have to use your procedural safeguards and um, use those parental rights, that there's someone else who can kind of help you guide you through the process. Typically, attorneys are not always everywhere in a lot of these Navy locations. I can tell you for one, here in the Hampton Roads area, we only have advocates. There are no special education attorneys in the Tidewater area. And so if you have to get to that next step, which really is the biggest step, if you have any type of disagreement, you do have to go to the next step, which is either file a complaint, go to mediation, due process. What do you do? You know, you are really, you have your hands tied. For us, we had to look at Northern Virginia, which is three and a half hours away, to find someone who is specialized in special education. And so we don't want, it just, it's a disadvantage to our families to ha not have that expertise. And so the great thing is that the local EFMPs within these regions, you know, can certainly give all the information they need to the attorney to be able to help out no matter if it's two hours away or three hours away. I know San Diego is pretty large, you know, but everything's usually within three hours. And the same in the Hampton Roads, you've got Suffolk and Hampton, Newport News. It's all fairly close together, but that, that shouldn't be a problem as far as being able to call into meetings and provide that, that type of expertise that's needed. And also on the flip side, on the medical piece, you know, they can help with guardianship, you know, disability paperwork such as Medicaid, all those types of things that we have to kind of start thinking about as our children start to hit the age of 18, that person has that expertise as well. You maybe need a durable power of attorney or educational power of attorney. Those are um, things I'm dealing with now with my daughter. So just knowing that you have that level of expertise, someone who knows the lingo and um, years of experience, I think is, is just key for our families to just ensure that our kids are receiving the same education as other special education kids around the United States. And just because we're highly mobile doesn't mean that we should be lacking in the type of, of education that they receive. Well, I have to say this program sounds like it's finally taking a step forward and better meeting the needs of our military families, particularly those with uh, children with exceptional needs. This entire process could be so overwhelming for a family, but to know, for example, in the Navy pilot program that they have the three tiered, you know, the, the case manager that can go and support you in IEP meetings, uh, provide resources, the regional special education liaison, if it needs to be elevated, and then finally, a special education attorney, which is a new element and not been available for our military families in the past. So, Michelle, though, this topic, as, as I'm sure my listeners can pick up on, it has a, it's a special passion for you. And part of the reason you've played a major role in providing input into the Navy's app, as well as their pilot program, would you be willing to share your story and why these changes mean so much to you and your family? It is personal. As I said, we've been in the EFMP program now for 17 years, and my daughter entered this world very early at 27 weeks. She was two pounds, three ounces. And um, it was quite the roller coaster when she was born. You know, the doctors first told us she may never walk, talk, live on her own independently. It's been a struggle, you know, to get to where we are. 
today. And our main focus when she was small was, you know, the medical part, you know, trying to get her to walk and to talk. And she's doing fantastic. I wasn't expecting as much challenge, you know, on the education part. And it was, it became more and more evident as we started moving within within the Navy. And the last move that we had here about six years ago was very difficult for us. I was naive that um, everyone had my daughter's interest at heart. It became more difficult as time went on um, to ensure that my daughter received the support that she needed each time we moved, you know, because we are highly mobile. During this last move, you know, she was doing pretty well in Fairfax County before we moved here. And it just felt off the first time we went to our IEP meeting. And I could just tell that my gut was telling me that, that things were being told to me that she was doing great, but I knew in, in my gut from what I was seeing at home that it wasn't, that something was wrong and that she did need more help than what they were willing to give. And then they were taking those services away from her IEP before they really even had her back in the school system for a couple months. And so that gut check that we talked about before is so important. When you see your child regress in front of you academically and socially, you know in your heart that something needs to be done. And you don't want to come off as that emotional parent. It's easy to be, right? So, um, of course, my spouse was gone at the time when we moved here and just trying to get settled in. And I felt very alone. And I knew that there were some things happening to her IP that weren't right. And we are an officer family. And um, it's sad to know that, you know, it's a struggle for even us to find that resources. Because I called everybody for help. You know, I needed someone to come with me to an IEP meeting. I wanted someone to look at this IEP and, and listen to what their, you know, suggestions are, were and the draft proposals. And um, I wasn't willing to sign away the stay put ID, IEP that we came in with. And, uh, you know, I looked around and I called. I called the JAG who said, no, we can't do that. I called the Slove and she, absolutely no. I called VDOE and they just said, well, you know, contact the school. And so I just went in, around and around in circles trying to get help. So I want to put eyes on this and, and I don't know, make sure I was going in the right direction that I wasn't some crazy emotional uh, mom that they, that they tend to want to paint us on as emotional. And so I finally was so overwhelmed and we got some help from family and friends and we hired an advocate. And that really was my saving grace because again, my spouse was not here and finally someone was looking at all the data and documentation in front of her and she's like, this is not right. You have a case here. And she helped guide us a little bit, but once we got that advocate involved, it became very contentious, unfortunately. and. It became more and more difficult to come to find a middle ground for us. And so we got to a point where the advocate even told us, I'm sorry, there's not much else I can do. There really is, we're really trying to come up with a solution, but you may want to, you may want to look into getting an attorney. Um, at that point, Marissa was doing poorly in school. And even though she was receiving great grades, almost all A's and some B's, um, she was failing all the district testing that they do and the end of the year SOLs that they do here in Virginia. So I knew something wasn't lining up. And the proposal for the following year 
um, really was not addressing some of the, the issues that I had brought up in some of the meetings. So once again, we we tried to find a way to, to get an attorney involved and I did some research um, and looked for help. I, I got tutoring for her to see if that was gonna help. And then finally, I realized that that was not gonna be enough. And so we found a fantastic school nearby that specialized with kids with learning disabilities, with learning dis differences. You know, we kept working with the school district and saying, we think this might be the right place for her. You know, it's gonna address all of these issues um, that we're seeing. Of course, that was a disagreement and um, we ended up putting her in that school and kept working with the public school district for another year, trying to come up with some, some type of IEP or middle ground on how we can best support Marissa and her unique needs. During that year, we found a lot of more information through evaluations that we requested. And in the end, after a year, you know, it became clear that they felt that they were offering my daughter free appropriate public education with this IEP and we disagreed. So we had to take it to the next step, which is a due process hearing. How many other families could do what we did? You know, it, it was emotional, it was overwhelming, it was stressful, and we were doing it all alone. We had absolutely no support from anyone in the military. And, you know, we were even almost afraid to even speak up that we were having problems because this school district is so great. They, they take such good care of their military families and how, how possibly could you have be having an issue? And, you know, it's, it's, it came to a point where, you know, we didn't even want to say anything because it just felt embarrassed. Like maybe, are we crazy? You know, how many parents actually take that next step? You know, I think, from our survey that we conducted with Partners in Promise, they don't. It's too overwhelming, they don't have the time, they don't have the money, they would just rather suck it up, deal with it, or drink the Kool-Aid, you know, oh, your kid's doing so great, you know, and you sometimes you, you ignore those signs and those gut checks. So I think that, you know, that was a hard, hard time for us, but we ended up winning our due process. That was the start of a very long, long legal battle. And I won't go into all the details, but you know, the school district appealed to the federal court level. A year and a half later, we won that again. And then so many of, we had to file multiple state complaints because they were not following the hearing officer's decision. And then they stopped paying altogether and then turned around and sued my daughter Christmas of 2018. And so, we were the first military family they've ever sued, or any family for that matter. And of course, my husband was getting ready, you know, he was not here, he was training and getting ready to move to Italy for over a year. And so it was a, a very difficult time for us, but we, we persevered and we won that due process as well. I'm, I'm hopeful that right now we're headed in the right direction, at least we, we hope so, and uh, she is currently a sophomore in school and doing really well in her private school. We're very happy about that. But I, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, you know, how can other families pursue their rights in a way that's not going to cripple them financially or emotionally? And it just wasn't there. So that is when we decided, first of all, you know, we're gonna pursue this not for just us, but we have to do this for, for the entire military community, because this is not right. And you don't want a school to take advantage, you know, of the fact that we move 
so much because that culture is there. The culture of knowing you're only going to be in town two to three. I can't tell you how many times we were asked about, you know, my husband's job and how's he doing? Oh, really? How long, how long is that job? A couple of years? I mean, it's, it's subtle initially, you know, and I think they got to the point where they realized we're not going to be moving. Instead, he's going to move <laughs> and I'm going to stay back here. And so, um, but I know other families hear the same thing in their meetings because it's just, you know, how long can we wait these families out and not give the, the required services and supports they actually need. Um, and so once our story got out, you know, in, in media, other families came to me and said, you are telling our story. And um, we knew we weren't alone because, you know, at first we thought we were just the unicorn, right? But when all these families started coming to me and, you know, didn't want to even tell me their names because they're so afraid of their command finding out or their school district finding out. And some of them are in Dodeo schools. And so, you know, you're shopping the commissary next to some of these school officials. It's, we knew we were onto something. And that is really when I started to advocate more with our legislators, like we need more resources. We need to, someone to know that, you know, the law doesn't always work the way it's supposed to work. And how do we protect the rights of these children that are in the military whose spouses or, sorry, whose parents are, are serving our country? This is not right. And um, that's when Partners in Promise really started, started to, to come alive and finding other military spouses that, that shared our stories and um, knew that we had to come with solutions. And so it's personal for me to see the Navy, you know, taking the lead. The Marine Corps is also known to have a fantastic program for EFMP, and they, I guess you could call it the, the gold medal, right? Of they're just, they just knew about a decade ago that in order for their EFMP families to feel supported, and they needed to up their game with case managers. They, they put more money into the program. They have their own education, special education attorneys. And they did studies to find that, guess what? Their ESMP families stay in the, the service longer because of this, the resources they have. And they have a higher job satisfaction. And so I think what a great, you know, data point. If you can support these families, guess what? You're going to get more out of them. And they're going to stick around longer. And, um, you know, I think that that's really the take that the Navy did. They just took it a one step further to really give those three tiers of support. Um, and they're looking at other programs too. They have a fantastic new EFMP app um, that I use, you know, almost every day when families reach out to me on, on who is their case liaison. And I think that there might be, you know, I think my child may have XYZ diagnoses. I'm like, okay, check this out. Um, they have some great flip charts and videos. And so um, that was really a fantastic um, program that they started, you know, with their with their personnel command. So there's just many levels of what they're looking at. And um, this started in fiscal year 21. So it's a three-year program. I am telling all of our families to call EFMP office at the Fleet and Family Service Center just to to make sure that this program is used, because you know, you've been in long enough that if you don't use a program, you lose it. You know, they need that data, that data of how are we helping families, you know, with special education, you know, is this needed? And of course we know it's needed, but we need the data to support it. So 
again, very proud to be involved with this EFMP reform committee so that they can hear from actual, you know, a personal story. I lived through this. It's not fun, but I think that these supports that they're putting in place is going to help our families so much. And just knowing that their voices are being heard and that these struggles are real. And so um, couldn't be more proud of our Navy community. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you for your willingness, your courage um, to take your private struggles public, um, because as you said, it was not easy. Uh, you felt at times that you were alone, only to find out that there were so many others out there um, that were going through the same things. And as a result, Partners in Promise was created to support families of the military with special education that are having these same challenges. Because as you said earlier, you know, all children, all military children deserve stability in their education. And I think this uh, Navy pilot program is a step in the right direction um, to provide our families with the resources that they can have because families are the best advocates for their kids. Um, those gut checks, as you mentioned earlier, are so important. Um, and to have these resources in place to validate uh, what families maybe are suspecting is going to be just a wonderful support um, to see growing in the future. So uh, what I'd like to close out though with is for families that want to support this pilot program or to utilize the app that you mentioned, regardless of the branch of service. Now I know those are the app is specific to the Navy. What can families do? What would you suggest? Well, I think the most important thing is they need to speak up about the need for the service. And so that is when they really need to seek out their EFMP office and let them know that they need special education support. As we know, with the NDAA 2021, there is a provision there for special education attorneys. Um, but we may need more than just the attorneys. We need the advocates, we need the liaisons, we need that one-on-one, -on -one, listen to my case, it doesn't necessarily have to be the attorney. But if these EFMP offices don't know in each of these service branches that there's a need for this, they're not going to put that type of level support in there, in their budgeting. Um, so definitely, you know, I'm interested as well. I'd love to, to know what the Army and the Air Force are doing as far as supporting their families. I know that they have released various articles and webinars that they are going to be providing that level of support. Um, so we're all anxiously awaiting to see how that works. You know, I think the other thing that's important to remember as far as special education attorneys is you can't just go to one training and be completely knowledgeable about special education in general. If you really want to do this correctly, they have to be thoroughly trained and have some experience. Go to a due process. It's, you can't go to something for four days and say, all right, I'm good. You know, so I think that it does take an investment from each service branch to ensure there is at least one or two attorneys available that are civilian that have had extensive experience in special education law. But I, I love that, you know, JAGs are getting this training so at least they can guide these families in the right direction before they need to go to that, that specialized special education attorney. So speak up, let your service branch know that these are happening. These are, are, these are real issues that are affecting your family's readiness and retention. We're not asking 
for the best education. And a lot of times we're just asking for the minimum, just what, you know, faith gives us through IDEA. And, you know, we're not asking for the moon. Um, there's already money that's kind of put aside for us, you know, for our kids who have IEPs. So this is make sure that, you know, that support is going where it needs to be. We've got to let them know that there is a need and the data is there that we have from our surveys, you know, that our families need the support. In fact, that was the number one feedback was what would help you most to make sure your child receives education that's appropriate. And it was access to a special education advocate. And of course, standardizing EFMP was number two. Um, and the most common reason why they did not pursue a complaint is because of the emotional stress. And so we recognize that and um, having those resources in place that I didn't have the benefit of is gonna help so many more families. And um, I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, what all the service branches do. I know that we're stronger together. We're more than happy to help you know, guide them through implementation of this. You know, our our families deserve this. And it 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 certainly seems to me that, you know, now that we put a spotlight on it, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's let's help all of our families. And this is an easy way to do it. So I'm uh, excited that we're partnering with MSEC on many of these initiatives and in our issue paper talking about ways that we can further support them in the future when they do all those PCS transitions. So the Navy pilot program is just like one piece that we hope to see replicated in all the service branches. Good things are happening, you know, for our exceptional military families. And it's so nice after over a decade of, of really stagnating and not seeing much progress. And so it's an exciting year, 2021. Um, you know, I know a lot of people kind of like, oh, I didn't like 2020. It was awful because of COVID, but, you know, it was a, a year of significant reform for us in the EFMP program. So if we can keep that momentum going, I think that, um, you know, our exceptional family members will be well supported and um, just feeling positive about the future. Well, I think that's very well said. And to just fill our listeners in a little bit, the NDAA is the National Defense Authorization Act, which uh, basically is the budget for the military as well as military family programs. And I know that there was a, a clause or some legislation in there to start creating some standardization across the branches for the EFMP programs, which I think is another positive step forward for the program. Would you suggest family uh, whether they're in the Navy or in the Army or, or other Air Force, you know, uh, Coast Guard, not only to reach out to their service branches, but to reach out to their e local EFMP uh, offices and touch base with them um, or reach out to partners in Promise. Are those steps that families could also take to sort of start elevating their voices? Absolutely, Susan. I think, you know, every EFMP family has their own bandwidth. Like sometimes, you know, it's cyclical for me. Sometimes I, I feel like, yes, today is going to be a great day and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And there's other days where I'm like, okay, I just need to get out of bed. Um, so I think every family knows what their limits are. And, you know, I always tell them speak up at whatever level it can be. It could be attending a PTA meeting or a local SEAC meeting, which is like a special education, you know, advisory committee within their school district, you know, um, just bringing up, you know, that these are some of the, the challenges that they might be having, or have you thought about how this new, you know, proposal might affect 
special education families. But also, you know, contact that EFMP office locally and, you know, just say, hey, I know that this is in the National Defense Authorization Act for standardizing and to get special education attorneys. How, what, have, what have you been hearing? You know, how can we help um, you um, get this implemented here at this base? Um, also, you know, I'm a big fan of getting involved with and getting to know your local legislators. You know, every state has um, House representatives and senators. You know, do they know, and they should, they are very involved with military families and they want to help. They genuinely want to help. So they need to hear from your constituents, even if you, it may not be your home of record, you live in their, their state. And you'll be surprised um, on how many of them understand, you know, the challenges that we have. Maybe they have a staffer who also has a child with special needs. And so trying to find those connections um, and telling your story and then even going and referencing Partners in Promise, bringing our survey data with you, those are the type of things that they need to hear, that it's not just a one-off, it's multiple families. And um, these things that they're working hard to do, like in our NDA, are very appreciated, but that's keeping those relationships, you know, and letting them know about our unique lifestyles and more about, you know, what it's like to raise a child with exceptional needs. Um, it's, it's very hard. And, you know, a lot of times if they don't know, they may not think to, to ask more questions. And so I just, you know, always, always talk about your stories and um, think of just, you know, just developing those relationships with your legislators. That's what we did. And we have been doing on both sides of the house. So it really doesn't matter who's president. It really matters on those who are on those special committees, like the House Armed Services Committee, the Senate Armed Services Those are folks that really do look at military family life and um, ensuring that there's readiness within the military. Um, those are good places to go. And of course, you know, there's also the Military Family Readiness Caucus. They are there on both sides of the house as well and co-chaired by various folks. So it's just letting them know that we are here we have extra burdens that we're carrying, but they're doing great things for recognizing it by standardizing the EFMP. So speak up, speak up to the best ability that you can. And again, you know, life is, is cyclical. You know, there were times when we started off in this military world and I always say find your tribe. So at first my tribe was, you know, other professional young spouses. And then eventually I had a child. And so that was now with the kids group and then and then I started getting involved with the EFMP group, and now I'm with the, you know, so your tribe will vary over time in this wonderful military career. Um, and it's been a great journey. Um, but I think together, our voices are stronger. And so I'm just thrilled that, you know, we have been able to make, um, with all our partners, you know, some great reform to special education and our EFMP program. So kudos. To all the hard work, you know, that our legislators are doing, that our partners are doing, and um, I'm just looking forward to what the future holds for us. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you for joining us again um, and for your positive influence, not only for, on the Navy pilot program, but just for taking those voices from the EFMP special education community and elevating them to make actionable change. So we really appreciate everything that you're doing, not only for the community, um, but for also joining us here today. 
Thank you. It is really an honor to be a voice for our, our EFMP community. So thank you. Now, for our listeners, we did mention an earlier recording that we did with uh, Michelle Norman and Jennifer Barnhill. We're going to include that link in the show's notes for this interview so that you can go back and also enjoy that. Additionally, we're going to include Partners in Promise, their website, which is thepromiseact.org, along with some other great links. Um, the promiseact.org website is a fantastic website for families if they're looking for resources or even steps on how to advocate with your local legislation. So thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you'd like to hear more about. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition, sponsored today by the Hickam Officer Spouses Club. You can listen to this podcast and those archived by topic when you subscribe and download at Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. MSEC supports all military-connected children by educating, advocating, and collaborating to resolve education challenges associated with the military lifestyle. Learn more about our partnerships, programs, and initiatives at militarychild.org. And follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram for the latest on our enduring mission to serve the children of those who serve us all. Until next time, thanks for listening.